Well, we're going to have an awesome, awesome revival. If you don't know, we're in revival. Started, uh, Dylan just said it started yesterday with our men's discipleship. Amen. We had an awesome a word from God, and uh, God is teaching the men to lead. Amen. How many know that when men lead, great things happen? Amen. When men step up and be the men of the house and be the leaders of the house, the women and the children follow, and it's exciting when God moves in a family and the man is doing his part to lead. Amen. So he, he gave us a great word. We're challenged, and uh, we're going to have today, tonight, we're going to have tomorrow night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And uh, this is, uh, we, we love revival in our church. Many of you know how passionate I am. Uh, we've got new people here, and we, most people don't know the story. I was saved in a revival on a Tuesday night. So I, and so was Dwayne, amen? There's something about Tuesday night. Gets us hard-headed people. If you're hard-headed here today, don't miss Tuesday night, amen? Or if you know someone that needs to get saved, make sure you get them here Tuesday night. But we have uh, one of our best friends, with us today, Alan and Anna, pastoring in Colorado Springs. We've known them for like 14 years now, and uh, we we uh, just have a wonderful friendship. And it's one of those friendships that we don't talk all the time, but we just pick up where we left off. We know that we love each other. We know we have a great friendship. Whenever we go uh, to um, Colorado to visit, which was twice a year. Uh, we always get with them, and uh, sometimes the Cowboys happen to be playing, and uh, he's a big Cowboys fan, so don't don't either either feel bad for us or hate us or anything like that, amen, but we are diehard Cowboy fans, and so we like to suffer together and watch the Cowboys together, but uh, he, he's just a, a great man of God, and he has a powerful testimony. He's going to be sharing, you know, all kinds of different stuff over the next few days. But I told you, leading up to this revival, one of the things that I admire the most about Pastor Allen and Anna is their marriage. They have a, a very, very strong, uh, admirable, uh, exemplary marriage. And they, they uh, you can just tell, uh, they either have a great marriage or they put the best fake on that you can possibly put on. Amen? <laughs> if they're faking it, you're doing the best faking you could possibly do. But we've been around them a lot, and uh, they're always together. They're always uh, spending time together, and they um, just have a really good relationship that we, we and Carl have always looked at and, and admired. And uh, so you're going to get some great things this week, and I want you to open up your heart. I want you to make a plan right now that you're going to be here for this revival. Amen? I'm going to put you on the spot this morning. How many here this morning will say, Pastor, I will be, amen, look at that already, I will be at every service that this revival has. Come on. Put, 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 it, put it by faith. You might even say, well, I got to work. Well, I got something going on. How many will believe that if God will open up the door to get you out of work or whatever needs to happen, you can be here, amen? And God's going to move in a mighty way. How many will do their very best to be here at every service they can? Let me see your hands, amen? How many will be back tonight? Let me see your hands, amen? We, we, we bind the spirit of SMO in this place, amen? Sunday morning only. So we, we're going to have a great revival. I want you to open your hearts, get your notebooks out, get your Bibles ready. And let's give uh, Pastor Alan Patterson a wonderful Denton, Texas, Victory World Outreach welcome this morning. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I appreciate that. And yes, we have suffered as Cowboy fans for many, many many, many years, amen, but we've also had some good years. You know, my first church I ever pastored was uh, in uh, here in Dallas, Metroplex area, me and my wife, when we uh, were at the uh, ripe old age of 22, uh, we left Roswell, New Mexico, and uh, started a church in uh, Garland, Texas, and so we got a real special place in our heart uh, here for Texas, amen. Uh, you know, we're being raised in New Mexico. We're, we're like neighbors and, and um, I always raised in my, uh, as a cowboy fan from a kid. And that wasn't the reason I came to Dallas. My wife's, one of her sisters lived uh, in here in Dallas and we'd visited a few times and God just gave me a real uh, burden. And so when I heard that Pastor Blake and Carly was coming, 
start a church um we were really excited and it's it's been a we've this is not a, this is our second time we've been here and um i'm i man i'm telling you i'm excited about what god is doing here in this church god's doing good things don't underestimate all that the lord can do amen and um you know it's um it's a privilege to be a servant in the kingdom of god and i i really um take that seriously and uh, we're excited about being here i do want to say one thing before i get started i want to say happy birthday to my uh love of my life my wife amen it's her birthday today hallelujah and uh so she she didn't mind uh told her i said you know uh pastor blake once has come up and uh so the dates are going to fall on your birthday so is that okay? You want to go? And and she was like, Yeah, let's go. You know. So I take her with me just about anywhere I can. And um, we've been married now for thirty years. Got married at the ripe young age of seventeen. Amen. And got saved at sixteen. And uh, hallelujah. Back back in those days, we thought we were older, you know, yeah, than we really were. And um, we've had a great marriage. We got uh, five daughters and one boy. And uh, three of my daughters are married, and so I've got six grandkids. And so we started young, and we're still young, praise God. And it's uh, God's, all of our family is serving the Lord. All of our kids are uh, in the uh, church, in ministry, and, and uh, hasn't always been easy. We've, ha- we've had some ups and downs, of course. You know, when they get to be teenagers, they think they know everything. And, um, but... Uh, Praise God, God's doing good things in our life, and, and we it really is a privilege. We had a great time yesterday in the men's discipleship, amen, but I want to ask this morning, how many of you really want revival, amen, maybe you don't know what I'm, I'm really saying, I think sometimes, and I'm just going to be, uh, you'll get used to me here in a couple of days, um, <laughs> Uh, I've been around the block enough that uh, there's there's no need to be pretentious or put on fronts or uh, you know I've seen just about everything in the ministry. I like I said I got saved at 16, got married at 17, had my first little girl at 18, and pastored my first church at 22. And so I've been in the ministry for a while. I've been around the block a few times. I've seen a lot of things come and go. I saw a lot of people come and go. And so you know if it doesn't work, then let's not do it. Uh, if it's not real, it's it's not worth it. So uh, there's no, we don't need to, to preach things. I'm not going to try to get you all stirred up just to get you stirred up. Amen. If, if we need a real move of God, we don't need hype. We don't need a bunch of things that just get people shouting in church and then you're dead once you walk out again. I've seen too much of that over the years. And uh, we, need, we, we need a real move of God. And I want to bring this morning and tonight, I'm going to be preaching on uh, End Times, a sermon series I did just recently in my own church called Coming Soon. And this is not just another End Times sermon. I've preached on the End Times a lot over the years. You know, when you've pastored as long as I've had, you, you can preach a lot. And I've preached a lot, but this is a prophetic vo- uh, word of God. This is something God's been putting in my spirit very strongly. I'm a... I, um, I'm an avid reader. Uh, I study a lot. Uh, I, I'm uh, into uh, what's going on in the world today. I think there's too many people uh, on. Uh, well, I'm going to just pick on a few things. I think too many people are on their their games, their phones. They're on Facebook. They're on everything, and they don't know what's going on around. And that's one of the easiest ways for the devil to bring things down on people is that we're just blind. We don't know what's going on because we don't look. We don't have our eyes open. And what I want to say to you this morning, I want to challenge you, really. I say, how many of you want revival? And it's easy to say, yeah, I want a revival. But what does that mean to you personally? What, you know, if you want revival, I want you to know something. It's going to cost you. And it's not going to cost you, uh, oh, I'm going to have to get a little more excited. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, maybe today I'm going to have to sing a little harder. I'm going to have to clap a little longer. Uh, that's not revival. I'm talking, if, if you want real revival, it's an awakening. It's something that wakens you up. Now, one of the great strategies of the devil is he's a deceiver. And one of the ways he deceives is is. He, he knows that God, when he saved you, when the Lord brought you into the kingdom, God's plan for you and I is maturity, growth. 
The Bible says God will take you from glory to glory to glory. And the strategy of the devil is to get you to go from glory to stay there. Let's just, I'm comfortable here. I pay my tithe, I come to church, I'm involved in ministry, I pray a little bit, I read the Bible a little bit, uh, my bills are being paid, uh, you know, things are going nice. And that's, we get in our comfort zones. Everybody does. I've gotten in comfort zones many a times in my walk with God and God's always comes back to me and says, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. God is about challenging us. He's about waking us up because I'm going to tell you something. The world that we live in is going to hell in a handbasket. There's a lot that's going around. And some people say, well, you know, uh, I can't stand what's happening in the world. I mean, we're from Colorado, and it's getting really bad there. I mean, we got legalized marijuana now. I mean, they just like cigarettes, man. You want to just, you know, on the street corner, you just pop out. Well, man, just smoke a joint, man. We got it all legal. It was medicine at first, and now it's just we can do it for recreational Amen. We've got uh, 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 gay marriages now that's legalized. We've got all kinds. They got uh, the worst thing of all, man. They're restricting our gun rights over there now. And uh, so it's get, getting pretty bad. Amen. I'm thinking, is this California or Colorado? I mean, I don't, I don't, we got somebody got to tell me something here. <laughs> oh, God help us. Amen. But you know what's crazy is we're, we're there and we're seeing all the bad that's happening. We see it everywhere in the world. And the church, I want to tell you, I, I can preach a lot. And if I start, pre I can preach on certain topics and people, church will start shouting amen. I can preach, you know, about the homosexual agenda. People get all, yeah, amen, that's right. Or we can preach about the drug addictions, all that. People get, get all, you know, they, that's right, preach it, preach it. You know, we don't need to preach about it. We need to do something about it. There's a difference between saying, yeah, that's a problem and being a solution to the problem. See, the problem really in the kingdom of God today is that we all can recognize problems. We're really good at it. We're good at recognizing problems. We're good at pointing out faults. But you know what? We need to become problem solvers. Not problem identifiers, amen. It's like how many have ever been on a job and you got that guy, he can always tell you what's wrong. He's always, somebody, there's a, I'm telling you, I run a business besides pastor in a church and I can tell you, I've got, my employees will call me all the time and tell me a problem. Oh, hey, Alan, we got a problem. We got a problem. I said, I don't care. There's always problems. That's why we make money. If there's no problems, amen, we wouldn't make any money. Amen. We do air conditioning, heating. So I know here, man, you got to have that AC. And so we, I don't, don't tell me what the problem is. Tell me what the solution is. I can, I can hire anybody to tell me what the problem is. I, you know what? If you can, if you will get this in your spirit and become a problem solver in all of life, you will prosper. You will, if you can solve people's problems, you will prosper in the kingdom of God. You'll prosper in the business world. You'll prosper in your marriage. Amen. Amen. I want you to know, you want to have a great marriage. You want to be able to raise your kids. You're going to have problems in that marriage. Amen. You're going to have problems with kids. It's learning to solve those problems. Amen. And there needs to be something that stirs us up and wakes us up. And I want to preach this morning, and I'm going to preach a, a, a second part of this message tonight. It's called Coming Soon. And I want you to know something is that there are some things that are coming to our world. And turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Matthew, chapter 16. You know, how, how many know the, the devil and the world likes to always tell you what they're bringing to, down the pike? So, example... Every Friday, everybody knows this pretty much, that all the new movies open. You got, that's, that's how many know, that's when movies open up. And if it's a really, really, really anticipated movie, they'll open it up really Thursday night. It's called Friday morning because they'll start it at 12.01. So it's officially Friday, but it's Thursday night. And how many have ever seen people get in line, camping out? Man, I got to see this movie. It's coming soon. And what the, this is how they get you. You're in the movie, and what do they do? They show you previews of what's coming soon. And they whet your, whet your appetite for it. You start saying, oh, man, I want to see that movie. I want to see that. How many got some movies that you're anticipating coming out? You know, yeah, it's, 
Yeah, you're hooked. Amen. There's other things that the world can tell you that's coming soon. You know, I'm, they'll, they'll tell you this concert's coming to town. This play, uh, uh, this, uh, 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 you know, they've got all of these things. Or, you know what's, what's even amazing is I can get on my phone right now and I can click weather and tell you what kind of weather is coming soon. Amen. We were coming here to Texas and we want to know what kind of weather's going on over there. Hallelujah. We left and it was snowing and it's cold. And, and I know y'all have had some cold weather, but we were excited to see. Amen. Warm weather is coming soon. Praise God. And so here we are. There's all kinds of things. There's weather, there's movies, there's uh, uh, things that are going on. But Jesus talked one time in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. Listen to what he says. He said, he answered them and said to them, when it is evening, you say it, is, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. I've been a student of history for many years, and one of the things that I've looked throughout all cultures and all empires and all nations is that what happens is there's always an enemy. Always there's an enemy. It is no different for America today. We have enemies. It was no different for the British Empire. They had enemies. It was no different for the Ottoman Empire. Or you could go back to the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire. All empires have had enemies. And all empires came to an end. Every one. Why? Because they have an enemy. And what happens is, I've noticed throughout history, is uh, they put down or they let down their guard. They begin to be overconfident. They think everything is well. They think that there's no problems that are going to come against them. And then the attack happens. And they're usually caught unaware many times. They went to battle. Many times and they would send out their armies and they went to battle and they'll think it would be just like all other times we're going to win, just like we always have. And they meet an enemy that defeats them. Now, many have spoken about the United States and one of the things when we talk about coming soon, we want to know what's going to happen. I want to know what's going to happen. How about you? Well, you know, the Bible tells us what's going to happen. Now, I want to say, as I begin to preach about uh, end times, we need to understand something. Because we've all heard preaching uh, concerning the last days. There is what we call doctrine and the interpretation of that doctrine. So I will give you an example. The doctrine of of the Bible is that there will be a rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. There's a doctrine that says that there's going to be a one world leader called the Antichrist. That he's going to rule and reign the nations, amen, during what we call, the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. These are doctrines that are non-negotiable. It's true. We know that there will be a rapture of the church. We know that there's going to be a Great Tribulation. We know that there's going to be an Antichrist. We know the Bible teaches that there will be a thing called the mark of the beast and nobody can buy or sell without that mark. That's all doctrine. There's no question of that. But what happens is many times it's uh, the uh, people who teach on these prophetic doctrines, they speculate how to interpret them. Okay? So there's a difference between the doctrine and the interpretation of the doctrine. So example, if you were around like I was back in the late 1970s and early 1980s, you would have, that many people believe that the Antichrist could have been Henry Kissinger. He fit the bill, and they thought this guy could be the Antichrist. And then it wasn't him, it was going to be. Uh, uh, now, I'll tell you one that really everybody thought, ah, oh, this guy could be the Antichrist, and that was uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. I mean, he had a mark on his head for crying out loud. And I, I read, you know, there were some writings about how this guy could be the Antichrist. That was, he had this mark. And, and uh, oh, I've heard all kinds of things. And so I'm not going to tell you today that. President so-and-so could be the Antichrist. Okay? We don't go there. That's, some of that's just ludicrous. And so 
One of the things, though, is that the Lord says these things are going to happen, and we have to guard sometimes how we interpret that in today. Otherwise, if you look at all history, you will find that they have interpreted it differently over all the years. Did you know in the Reformation years, every church from Martin Luther to every Protestant believer, all the great men of God back during the Reformation, they all believed the Antichrist would be a pope. Because uh, the Roman Catholic Church fit the bill. Okay, then they changed this and no, the Pope is not going to be the Antichrist. He's going to be the false uh, prophet. Is he or not? I can't tell you. Now, we can speculate. We can look at scriptures and how to try to interpret them. But what we need to understand is that I don't need to know how it's all going to happen. The Bible doesn't say, go and figure this out. In fact, I want to warn you. Many people today get on the internet and they want to start figuring it all out. Especially with what's going on in the financial markets today. They want to know, is there a secret financial uh, uh, conglomerate out there who is controlling the Federal Reserve and, and you know, you got the, uh, the Rothschilds and the Bilderbrand and all of these things and you've got all of this, uh, 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 what they call uh, 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 secret uh, societies and all of these uh, uh, things that people are trying to figure out, is this really going on? You don't want to go down those roads and start figuring that out. What good is it for you and I to know what all all of these high powerful people and bankers are doing does it change anything by knowing that no it's a strategy of the devil to get you off seeking after all of these uh, uh, secret things instead of seeking the word of God I just need to know what the word says I don't, you know, do, have I studied some things? Have I looked into some things? I have, but I can tell you, I, I get a check in my spirit when I begin to go down those roads because you start looking at all of these conspiracies. And if you get sucked into conspiracies, it, 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 it can really mess you up. And so when we talk about the end times, don't go off in all these conspiracies and trying to figure out what secret societies are working here and there and, and all of the things that are happening because we need to keep our eyes on the word of God. We need to know what the prophetic word of God says, not what all the world is saying because it doesn't do us any good. If I, if I, what if I stood up here today and I could name the names of every world banker who's controlling the United States economy? Well, did that change anything? No. It just make you go, oh my God, I can't believe that. That's unbelievable. That's crazy. Oh no, let's go buy a whole bunch of gold and silver and everything else. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to buy gold and silver. There's some things we need to know. We need to be uh, ready for, for hard times. But what I want you to know today, amen, is that what we need to know is the word of God. What does the word of God say? And I want you to know that today, what's going on in America, God is trying to wake us up. He is telling you and I, it is a time to wake up. Quit being distracted by all of the things of this world. We're so plugged into the world. We're plugged into the world's entertainment. We're distracted by everything. The world is falling around us. We don't take time to study the word of God or focus on the signs of the times, we're just, uh, uh, we're in a kind of a, what I call a spiritual lethargy. God gave me a vision at the beginning of the year, and I don't get a lot of visions, but I was in prayer and I noticed, man, there was just, how many have ever just felt like you're walking in mud spiritually? Man, let's do something for God. Let's come on, and, and you're thinking, God, I want to do these things. God, I want, I want the fire, and we try to stir the fire up sometimes, don't we? Come on, oh man, come on, come on. I gotta get the fire going. And we try, but it's like the moment you can get a little bit, one or two services, every once in a while you'll get that, but then you go right back out there and it's like, boom, it's like you're walking under a cloud. It's a heaviness. And God showed me, amen, that there is a spirit of sorcery over our nation. A sorcery, a witchcraft. And it, I got this vision, and what I saw, it was like it was moving out of the entertainment industry. Uh, mainly is what I got kind of showed me. Out of the entertainment industry, the music industry, and all of these things. And not only that, but even, even the drug industry. It was like this, this smoke. You know, I remember back before I got saved, we, we used to smoke a lot of dope. And uh, 
you know, it was always a kind of a, you know, you'd get in the car and roll all the windows up and everybody would be smoking dope. And, and you thought it was really cool because you'd open the door and all this, you know, uh, smoke would come out. You're like, hey, man, how's it going? <laughs> You know, and so, but what would happen is I had a friend, he wouldn't, he was dead set against smoking marijuana, he wouldn't smoke. But we'd get him in the car and roll the windows up and we'd all, and how many know he'd get affected? You, you know, you don't have to go to get affected. All you got to be is around it, right? Well, what God showed me was there's this, this smoke, this sorcery all over America. And Christians, we're not participating so much with it, but it's in our nation. It's affecting us. It's the old story of the frog in the kettle. You know, you, I'm sure you've heard that, you know, where you could take a frog and if you, if you drop a, a, a live frog in boiling water, it will hop right out of that water. But if you put a live frog in lukewarm water and slowly turn up the heat, that frog will let its body temperature adjust to the water until it boils to death. That's America. That's American Christianity. You see, the Bible says you're supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're supposed to change the world. But I, when I look at Christianity, I see the world in the church, not the church in the world. You know how many know that if we turned all these lights off, it would be dark in here? Now, is the dark, is the darkness there because the light is too weak? No, the darkness is there because there's no light to, to expose it. But the moment you turn on light, darkness has to leave. The Bible says the church is the light of the world. So if we say our nation is full of darkness, it's not because the devil's darkness is so great now. Oh, you know, it's not like it used to be when I was a kid. It's really bad now. Yeah, why is it really bad? Because the church has turned their lights off. Oh, we got them on in here, don't we? Ooh, we get in here. Turn your light on, honey. Praise God. We got our lights on in here. Man, this is exciting. But then we go out in the world and we have no voice. The church has lost its voice. You have been intimidated. And this spirit of lethargy, this witchcraft that's come over the nation, amen, it's affected us. And I want you to know God is saying, wake up. Wake up, cast off, rebuke the spirit of sorcery, amen, and witchcraft. Throw it off you, amen. Take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 13, listen to this, 11 through 14. And do this, knowing that the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day and not in reverie and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. You see, what you need to understand is God is wanting to wake you up. You know what it is? It's like this. When we don't believe there's any danger, or we somehow think there's this, this heaviness upon us and we keep thinking, it can't really happen. America can't fall. America, you know, our, we're, we'll, we've always come out of our problems. Things are going to change. It's going to get better. It won't get better unless we do something. Amen? And the, the famous quote, amen, was this, that all that it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. All that it takes for evil to prevail is for good men and women to do nothing. And it's not enough to get in a church service and shout and holler and praise God, amen, and have revival here. But we need to have revival out there. And what the Lord is saying today, amen, is that we need to rise up again in the boldness of the Holy Spirit and begin to preach the gospel. We need to begin to be proclaimers and prophesy. You know why? Because there's some things coming soon. I want you to know something today. It does not look good. It doesn't look good. As I look, I, I'm, I'm, I am more American. Amen. I tell you, I love, I, I'm all for America. I, this is my home, man. I, I, you know the old saying, I bleed red, white, and blue. Amen. I love my nation. 
And even though there are a lot of things that are going on, I still, I, I am diehard American. But as a preacher of the gospel, and as somebody who says, God, I want your prophetic word, the word that God is speaking right now to our nation is not good. It's not. 55 million babies have been murdered through abortion. They say the most dangerous place for anyone in America is a woman's womb. More children have been aborted in America than every soldier ever killed in every war. God in ancient times in the Old Testament came against the Israelites who were called by his name and he came against them and spoke a prophetic word against them because of a few things. There were three major false gods that the Israelites brought in. They were supposed to serve the Lord and they brought in the God of Baal. They brought in the God of Ashtoreth. Amen. These were uh, uh, these gods that they began to bring in and they began to worship them. They began to give glory and they began to bow down to these, uh, to these uh, uh, idols. And God got so angry with them because they polluted the land. And so they served the God of Baal. And the way they would serve the God of Baal is that they would, uh, they would sacrifice their children in the fire. There would be the God of Baal, it would be a statue, and it would almost be like um, the statue, there would be like the stomach area would be open, and there would be a fire inside there, and they'd take a newborn baby and place it within what would be the womb of that God. And they would allow that baby to burn to death, and if the baby somehow lived, then the baby passed through the fire. They'd put the baby in there and then pull it out after a while. But the ba- they, would, they, would, they would sacrifice their children for convenience because they wanted blessing. They wanted things. The other God that they worshipped, amen, was the God of Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth was a, uh, the God of uh, sex. She, if you've ever seen a statue, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a woman and she has like 40 breasts all over her. And so it's a picture of, of lasciviousness and lust and perversion. And America uh, has given themselves over to both the, the spirit of Baal. See, these demon spirits, they, they just change, you know, the way they look. And so they still want the same thing. Baal still wants human sacrifice. He still wants the sacrifice of children. And the abortion industry in America is is a terrible industry. The sexual industry in America is unbelievable. Did you know that pornography on the internet is not only the largest money maker, right? It's the largest industry. It makes billions of dollars. It makes more money than Microsoft, Google, Yahoo make together. We spread pornography all over the world. America has done this. And why am I saying this? Because when I read the word of God concerning the last days, and I've studied all the nations and everything about it, you do not find anything about America in the last days. And there's a a question we have to ask ourselves. Why is this great nation of the world that is the world superpower not mentioned in the last days? Something has to happen. Something, amen, is going going to come down and either, you know, I've heard some preachers, well, that's because the rapture is going to happen. And so many Christians in America are going to be raptured out. We're just going to be this little nation afterwards. I don't know. You haven't been walking around the streets, man. I know 90% of Americans say they're Christian. But, you know, I don't don't see it. And so, I... I want you to know there's something heavy in my spirit. And so the third, the third false idol that the Israelites worshipped was the golden bull. It was a golden bull. And what they did is they set up two golden bulls, one at the north end of the kingdom and one at the south. And this is during the last days before the Babylonians came in and conquered them. And uh, they began to worship this. And the golden bull had to do with wealth. 
It had to do, that's why they made it golden. What's amazing is, is our whole financial system is where our pride is. And how many know Americans worship money? Uh, in fact, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And when we begin to look, I was listening or reading an article concerning the, uh, uh, the stock market crash in 2008 when the whole uh, uh, everything happened and the housing industry crashed and, and uh, they were having a big meeting uh, with all of these uh, uh, presidents of uh, universities like Yale and Harvard and, and uh, the banking industry. And when it was all over, the president of Harvard looked at another man. He says, you know what? I'm so disgusted. He said, why? He said, because all all of these intelligent men in the banking industry who caused these problems, who did illegal deals and, and, and cut corners and did all these things knowing that if it was ever found out, it would rob people of their life savings and, and cause them to lose their homes and everything. He said, all of these people who've done this graduated from our colleges. They have no morals. They have no morals. And America, yeah, I can tell you today, all three of these spirits are running in our nation. I want to read you out of uh, Ezekiel chapter 7. You can turn there if you want. If not, I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. I, um, it's um, just the way it was, it, it reads very easy. And this was the prophetic word from Ezekiel to the people of God the nation of God, and as I read this, I, the Holy Spirit said, I could say this to America today. Listen to this. He said in verse 1, God's word came to me saying, you son of man, God the master has this message for the land of Israel in time. The end of business as usual for everyone. It's all over. The end is upon you. I've launched my anger against you. I've issued my verdict on the way you live. I'll make you pay for your disgusting obscenities. I won't look the other way. I won't feel sorry for you. I'll make you pay for the way you've lived. Your disgusting obscenities will boomerang on you, and you'll realize that I am God. I, God the Master, say disaster after disaster. Look, it comes in time. The end comes. The end is ripe. Watch out. It's coming. This is your fate. You who live in this land, time is up. It's zero hour. No dragging of feet now. No bargaining for more time. Soon now I'll pour my wrath on you. Pay out my anger against you. Render my verdict on the way you've lived. Make you pay for your disgusting obscenities. I won't look the other way. I won't feel sorry for you. I'll make you pay for the way you've lived. Your disgusting obscenities will boomerang on you. Then you'll realize that it is I, God, who have hit you. Judgment day. Fate has caught up with you. The scepter outsized the pretentious, pride bursting all bounds, violence is strutting, brandishing the evil scepter, but there's nothing to them and nothing will be left of them. Time is up. Countdown. Five, four, three, two. Buyer, don't crow. Seller, don't worry. Judgment, wrath has turned the world topsy-turvy. The bottom has dropped out of buying and selling. It will never be the same again. Don't fantasize that there will be an upturn in the market. The country is bankrupt because of its sin, and it's not going to get any better. The trumpet signals the call to battle. Present arms, but no one marches into battle. My wrath has paralyzed them. On the open roads, you're killed, or else you go home and die of hunger and disease. And as you begin to look, and he just continues on in his judgment call, I read that and I go, I cannot believe sometimes that God speaks that way. But what people don't understand is that all of the end times is about God pouring out his wrath upon the world. It's a judgment. You see, the problem is, is there's not enough people who prophesy and speak to this. But you know, I want, I want to read you a verse of scripture, amen, out of the book of, of Luke. I'm sorry, not Luke. Um, give me just a moment. Book of John. How many remember when John the Baptist came? And John the Baptist came and he preached. And he said... Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then when the people came to be baptized, he said, who warned you of the wrath to come? You see, the wrath of God is coming. The judgment of God is coming. And when we say, what's coming today? I can tell you, people will tell you, well, this movie's coming. And this movie's coming. And this DVD's about to be released. And this new CD is about to be released by this famous artist. And uh, uh, the Super Bowl was coming. And, you know, preseason is coming. And uh, uh, this is coming. And the draft is coming. And we all know the things that are coming. This kind of weather's coming. Oh, man, it's getting hot. Summer's coming. But do you have a clue what is coming prophetically? Do we not understand? Because I can tell you, if your eyes would be open today, you would wake up and get out of your comfort zone and get out of your slumber, amen. You would wake yourself up and say, I've got to get up. I have to do something. I've got to draw near to the Lord. I need to begin to pray for my nation. Because there's still some hope because the Bible says of my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways. Amen. And they will pray and cry out to God. God says, I'll heal their prayer and I'll heal their land. But I don't know what it is in the church world today. I mean, we think it's a game. There are Christians today, amen, that they, they think, amen, that they're really doing well, but it really there's no challenge. And I want you to know we have to be challenged. We've got to be challenged. I think the problem is is we're surrounded so much by mediocrity. They say the great enemy of great, the enemy of great is good. Not bad, not terrible. The enemy of great is good. How are things good? How's the church? Good. How's your walk with God? Good. How's your marriage? Good. And we settle for good when God says, I'd give you great. You see, it's all about desire and expectation. I'm not going to hide my motivation from you. I have a purpose this week. My purpose is not to preach my favorite sermons. My purpose is not to preach something that I hope you go, wow, you know, I really like Pastor Allen, man. He's funny, or he's this, or he's that, or, yeah, you know, that's not my motivation. My motivation, amen, is to wake you up. Now, I can come in here and I can look. I know Pastor Blake. He's a great man of God. And this is no, I come in here and I don't go, wow, man, this church is really dead. That's not what I'm saying. I was just in your praise and worship. We had good service, amen, good worship service. But you're glory to glory. How many want to go to another glory? How many want to go to another glory and to another glory? Amen. Praise God for where you're at right now because I, I look at myself and if I want to pat myself on the back, I can say, well, hey, you're doing pretty good. I got challenged this year. I want to talk about a challenge. How many know we need to be challenged? We get challenged. Man, yeah, I'm challenged. I'm going, I'm going to pray. We get challenged to pray. Oh, man, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. And our challenge in our mind is, man, I'm going I'm I'm to pray, you know, half an hour. Or I'm going to pray an hour. I was reading recently about great men of God who used to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and pray for three hours. I go, my goodness, man. I know what you're saying. Well, they didn't live in the Metroplex. They didn't have to drive like I. How many know we all have reasons? Oh, I remember when I used to live here. I hated driving in this place. Amen. I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, I could move back here except for the traffic. Amen. So I don't like the traffic. But you know what? We all have excuses. And, and, and I like I said, I love to read. And so recently, I'm going to tell you how, about the, how we need to accept a challenge. And the only way you can accept a challenge, you have to let God take what you call normal, what you think is normal, and you've got to let God throw that down and say, that's not normal. Here's the bar. Let's raise the bar a little higher. I was talking, me and Pastor Paul was talking uh, at the beginning of the year, and, and always at the beginning of every year, I'd make, you know, some kind of a resolution, man, I wanna, I'm going to recommit to some things, and, and I love to read, you know, I do, I love to read, but I have more unread books than I have read books, how many do that? You know, they say, this, uh, here's, here's a sad, 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 sad truth, 
People buy books because it makes them feel good. I got that book in my library. You ever read it? No, I got it though. One day, it's I'm getting there. I'm, I'm on my way, man. And I have a lot of books. I have pastors give me books. I give books away. And, and, and so I knew, I thought, you know, between my running a business, pastor in the church, amen, and my personal time with God and prayer and the word and all these things, I, I, I like to read. And so I thought this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to reading 12 books. And every one a month, I'm going to read one book a month. And so me and Pastor Paul was talking, and he goes, yeah, that, he goes, last year, he goes, man, I read an article that just messed me up. I said, what was it? He goes, uh, it was, a, it was an, and because we were talking about reading, I said, man, you know, I just don't have a lot of time. How many have ever used that one? I don't have a lot of time. Anybody? Come on, don't lie to me now. We're in church, hallelujah. We all use that, don't we? I don't have a lot of time. Guess what? God gave the same amount of time to everybody. I don't get 28 hours, and some of you only get 20 hours, amen. We all get 24, and we're called to be stewards of our time. And what we need to understand is this, is that if you can receive a challenge, God will do something greater in your life, but you gotta have a hunger to go to another level. You have to have a hunger to go from glory to glory to glory. This is the key, amen. And, I, and so Pastor Paul, he, said, he goes, you know, I said the same thing, and he said, uh, man, I, he said, I got challenged, he said, to, to read more. He read this article and he began to tell me about uh, two, two leaders. And one leader came in at the beginning of the year and, and he said to the other leader, he said, hey, um, man, uh, the, the one leader said, uh, you got any New Year's resolution? He goes, yeah, I, I used to read a lot and so I'm, I'm recommitting to reading and I'm going to read more this year. He goes, oh, good. Well, three days later, they see each other and the one leader looked at the one who was going to commit to reading more and he says, so... Uh, uh, where are you at in that reading? He goes, oh, yeah, I picked up a book. He goes, well, I'm on my third book. He goes, so it started a competition. And so, man, they started counting not only how many books they were reading, but how many pages each book was. I mean, they were going out, and at the end of the year, the, the one leader who had made a resolution to read more read 105 books. And the other one who took up the challenge and was beating him in the beginning read 93 books. Do you know who those leaders were? Carl Rove and President George Bush. I don't know about you, running the United States of America is pretty busy. And he found time to read 95 books. Here's this busy preacher, man. Oh, man, I'm going to read 12. I got 12 on my list. I mean, that just blew me out of the water. I thought, it made my 12 look like I was doing the high jump like this. Boom, yeah, man. Did you see that, everybody? I just look at that. I'm going to do it again. Woo! I thought, God, you've got to be kidding me. But the Holy Spirit stirred something up in me and said, all things are possible. You can do something, amen? I made a commitment. I said, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to give myself reading. But you know what I had to do? I found out that, oh, my God, I can't believe how much time I'm watching NFL Network. ESPN, amen, History Channel, all this stuff, man, I, you know, I'd use, that's kind of my downtime, I'd just kind of, you know, at the end of the long day, you know, and I found out if I would just commit to reading about an hour a night, amen, that I could get a lot done. Praise God, I'm here I am, just barely a month after I started out, I'm on my seventh book. I just threw that out to some of the folks in the church, amen, my daughter, she's already like on her twelfth book. I said, she's very competitive, I don't know where she gets it from, but... I mean, she's like, hey, Dad, I'm on my 12th book. Oh, yeah, I gave her three books the other day, and she brought them back. Oh, you got any more? I'm like, what are you doing, man? She, oh, I just like to read. I just, you know, she's homeschooling her daughter. Amen. She works for me part-time. She's my worship, uh, uh, one of our worship leaders. Amen. She leads a, uh, plays the keyboard. She does, I mean, she's involved in all kinds of things. I'm thinking, how do you read that many books? She took the challenge. Amen. This is what a revival is about. A revival, amen, is uh, are you just going to be good? Is it just going to be good? Or are you going to let the Holy Spirit do something in you and begin to challenge you? Because church, I want you to know something. Things are coming. Amen. There's judgment coming. There's problems coming. And I want you to know, amen, today, amen, is that we need to wake up and say, God, I need to be closer to you. I need to shake off this lethargy. I need to wake up because the time is coming. I want you to know, I want to read you some verses of scripture in closing, amen. These are things, so example, if, you know, if you go to the movie theater, they'll have billboards. They have billboards. How many know that? 
and the, and this movie's coming in May, this coming in June, this coming here, this coming. If God had a billboard today, this is all prophetic from Scripture. I'm going to tell you, these are the things that are coming. Number one, judgment on America. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. We have sown so much sin, there's going to become judgment. You know why? Because you cannot find, amen, where any nation, any people have done the things that we've done. I remember the famous words of Billy Graham years ago. If God does not judge America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I don't want judgment. I want revival. Did you know that there were times in the Old Testament where God would come to a king and say, I'm going to judge your you're, I'm going to judge the nation. When they would repent and turn to God, God would say, I will withhold my judgment until the next generation. He would, he's, it's coming still because how many know when you plant the seeds, it's going to come. You need to understand that. When the seed's planted, you're going to reap. But God's grace is he'll wait. If you're a godly people, I'll wait and let that judgment come on an ungodly people. Lawlessness will abound. Matthew 24, 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The, world's, the, the, there's gonna, the word lawlessness is defined as illegality, violation of law, wickedness. It's coming. I want you to know that even our government believes that lawlessness is coming. That's why they're storing up all kinds of things. And they've, uh, It's amazing how many different departments, uh, FEMA, so on. They've got bullets. They've got uh, uh, roadblock things. You, you, I've, you know, there's all that they believe that there's going to, something's going to happen and they're getting prepared. I was talking to or, or listening to a guy who uh, 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 has some friends in the government. They have all of these underground bunkers that uh, used to have all these weapons that, that got shipped off to Afghanistan and and uh, Iraq for the war, and they did not refill them with weapons. They refilled them with dried food, miles upon miles, boxes of food. And he said, why? He said, because the government always prepares for what they know is coming next. Nuclear war, famine, pestilence. Revelation chapter 6, listen to this. He says, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as fig drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. I want you to know something. Coming soon on God's judgment day, is nuclear war. There's going to be famines. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be lawlessness. Amen? Lawlessness. Financial collapse. We know there's going to be financial collapse. Listen to what it says in Revelation 6.6. 6. He says, I heard a voice from among the four living beings saying, a loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay and don't waste the olive oil and the wine. Do you know that our American government right now is $17 trillion in debt? $17 trillion in debt. Most people can't even uh, uh, understand that. Our government, uh, when it collects all of its taxes, all, every ounce of money it can squeeze from the American public, it gets $2.1 million a year. That's how much the government brings in. $2.1 million a year. The government last year spent close to $3.3 trillion. That means they borrowed $1.1, $1.2 trillion. The year before that, they borrowed a trillion dollars. How many of you could live that way where you had to borrow every month on your credit card one-third of all of your spending? One-third. Do you know that to pay the American debt, the 17 point, uh, uh, about $1 trillion in debt that we owe, every year the government doesn't even pay down the, the, the principal. We don't pay the principal. We only pay the interest. How many remember those days when your credit cards gave you a minimum payment and you would pay that $35 payment and you notice the next month that you didn't pay any of the principal because your interest was $34.98 and you're paying $35. You're really not paying anything. It's just every month. It's, you'll never go down. Every year, last year alone, when the American government paid interest on the debt, and this is at the low interest rate of less than 1%, now, the interest rate on the American debt goes up when the interest rates go up. It's not a, uh, a set interest. So when interest rates are low like they are right now, 
the interest is very low compared. But you know what interest is on $17 trillion? It's $480 billion. $480 billion of interest. Now, that is almost 25% of the money that the government brings in. Do you begin to understand something? We can't continue this. I'm, I'm a student of economics to a degree. I'm a, not a professional, but I love to study this stuff. And I can tell you right now, there are unsaved, these are worldly economics who are, economists who are telling us there is some bad days ahead. The Bible already tells us that. A loaf of bread and, uh, will cost a day's page. You know what that's called? Hyperinflation. I can go on and on and on. There's Christian persecution that's on the horizon. They will deliver you up to tribulation, Matthew 24, 9, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Many will be offended and will betray one another and hate each other. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. There's judgment in the house of God that's coming for the time is coming, 1 Peter 4, 17, for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, then what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? There's going to be the wrath of God that's coming. Revelation 6, amen, verse 17. For the great day of his wrath is coming. Who is able to stand against it? Zephaniah 1.14, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of that day of the Lord is bitter. There will be a mighty, the mighty men shall cry out that the day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble, a day of distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. The Lord said, I will bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse. He says, in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land will be devoured. The rapture of the church is coming soon also. Now, some people in America, and this is American theology only, we all believe in the rapture of the church, but in the American church, in what they believe? The rapture is going to happen before any problem happens. It's going to happen, and there won't, we won't have to suffer anything. Well, you know what? Why don't you say that to your, your brothers and sisters in the Sudan? Half a million of them who have been displaced from their home and had to cross a border and they're living in little tents because all of the uh, Muslim Sudanese are coming into their villages and killing them and destroying them, but they're not going to suffer either. No, listen, everywhere else in the world, Christians are suffering. And it's going to start happening more and more, even here. I believe in the rapture of the church. In fact, tonight I'm going to be talking about the rapture of the church. And you know what? A lot of people think, well, everybody just gets to go. I want you to know something. If everybody gets to go in the rapture, why does the Lord tell you to pray that you be counted worthy? Amen? Second coming of Jesus, the great tribulation, the mark of the beast, all of these things are coming. And we need to watch and, be, and pray. I want to close with a scripture in the book of Luke chapter 21, verse 34 through 36. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, <coughs> and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. What is the danger? Pleasure and cares of the world. Do you know what the word cares is there? It's distractions. It's anxieties. It's problems. How many know we have a lot of anxieties and problems and distractions? Don't allow these things to distract you from staying focused in the things of God. And in closing, what I want to say to you this morning is this. As God's wanting to wake us up, this church right here, he wants to wake us up and take us to another level of, of, in his glory. You know why? Because the world needs this church. The world needs you, amen. It needs you to be more on fire than you've ever been. You have to have a greater anointing. You have to move in the gifts more, amen. We cannot just settle for, I'm happy where I'm at. We've, there has to be something that stirs us up, amen, so that we can go into this world and be a greater light. How many know we don't need to be some little 60-watt light bulbs? Amen. We, gotta, we have to be, amen, we, we have to shine so bright. We have to be like John the Baptist crying in the wilderness, make straight the ways of the Lord. 
In fact, I want you to know the last great revival that happened in America happened during what they call the Jesus People Movement in the 70s and early 80s. And the message of that church, the message of that great movement of God was the Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming back. And if you will look throughout history, you will find that almost all great revivals have that message. The Lord is coming. Get ready. The Lord is coming. And so this is not another, hey, we got to get excited. We got to preach, preach end times just to preach it because, you know, uh, some of the things are happening. It's God's timing and what he's saying. I want to bring a revival, but people don't get serious until you start preaching. Amen. This, the Lord is coming. You got to get, get ready. Get ready, amen, because the Lord is coming soon, and we've got to get ready. Let's bow our heads today, amen, let's pray, hallelujah.